Hello, and welcome to Problematic Women, a show about feminism for conservatives. I'm Bree Payton, staff writer over at The Federalist and friend of The Daily Signal. And I'm Kelsey Harkness, a senior news producer for The Daily Signal and a visiting fellow with the Independent Women's Forum. So this week, we have a great show for you today, and we have a lot to unpack. First, we've got to kick it off with some of the latest headlines and news coming out about the allegations of sexual assault against Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh. So for those of you who are listening, I'm sure you've been following this to some degree. These are we're just going to update you about some of the more recent developments. So Diane Feinstein, as of you know today recording the show, she's refused to turn over an unredacted version of the letter penned by Christine Ford outlining sexual assault against Kavanaugh while the two were both minors um, and in high school. And Feinstein herself has said that she can't say that all of Ford's claims are truthful. Um, Ford herself has refused the Senate Judiciary Committee's repeated offers to testify on Monday in both private and in public session, which is casting you know some some shadows over her accusations and what she has been saying about Kavanaugh. Senator Susan Collins has said that Ford's behavior has been unfair. And speaking of Senator Susan Collins, her office has been inundated with nasty and vulgar messages and threats from people who are threatening to harm her and even made a threat to rape one of her younger staffers if she voted to confirm Kavanaugh early this morning. Uh, Democratic Congressman Eric Swalwell kind of laughed off some of these, uh, you know, threats of rape against her staff uh, on Twitter saying, you know, boohoo. Where are you sleeping at night? Christine Ford can't go to her house, which is very sad and unfortunate um, for the record. You know, saying she can't go to her house. You have police protection. Boo-hoo, I don't feel sorry for you. But in that tweet, he obviously overlooked the fact that these were threats against staffers and Senate staffers don't have police protection. They don't have some of these other protections that senators have, which kind of make his comments in this context irrelevant. He's since deleted the tweet and apologized for what he had to say. Kelsey, your thoughts on all this. So going back to the beginning, it was Ford's decision to come to bring her story forth in private to uh, feminist Diane Feinstein, who sat on it for weeks, did absolutely nothing. And now after coming forward with her name in public in a story in the Washington Post, Ford through her attorney is basically trying to generate a lot of sympathy about the amount of death threats and um, other types of threats, backlash that she has faced since coming forward. She's allegedly in hiding with her family. And I want to say, first off, I believe that she's dealing with a lot of threats, a lot of really aggressive behavior, inappropriate behavior. But I think what you mentioned about Senator Susan Collins is one of the more underreported threads in this whole story because Collins and her staff are receiving similar uh, similar threats, and it doesn't seem like anybody really cares about them because that's inconvenient to the narrative that uh, the left and many in the mainstream media want you to hear. But I think what's really important to note is that Democrats were the one who outed Ford. Um, Democrats are the one who took her confidential story and exactly. made it public. 
Republicans would have no motivation to do this. And so for them to be complaining about all these uh, threats that Ford is facing now and really not pay attention to the backlash that someone like Senator Collins is facing, I think is really hypocritical. Yeah, exactly. And I think the fact that they waited until the last possible second when it became patently obvious that there was no other mode political or otherwise for Democrats to go about blocking Kavanaugh's nomination, uh, they pull out this letter and decide to use it. Right. I think it very clearly Democrats are clearly sending a message that victims of sexual assault will only be listened to if their accusations are politically useful to the left. If you've been sexually assaulted, the left is not interested in your story and left it unless it politically benefits them. And speaking of this, we have to talk about uh, Christine Ford's lawyer, Deborah Katz, who has been all over TV demanding that the FBI investigate this, even though uh, based on all the information that's been public, no federal crime has been committed. And this is not within the FBI's purview. And by the way, where this crime allegedly took place was in Maryland. And there's no statute of limitations upon sex crimes involving minors. So the proper avenue would be to go to the Maryland police and there's no statute of limitations. So she's free to be able to do that. But anyway, that's another story for another day. I know you need to you have a point to make here and I'm sorry to interrupt. But I think one more thing thing that's important for listeners to know is that a lot of people are comparing this to Anita Hill and Clarence Thomas and the difference in these two situations. Why it why an FBI investigation was very reasonable when she brought her allegations forward is because they worked for the federal government at the time. Exactly. Back to you. Right. Whereas this is two kids in high school in Maryland, 20, 30 years ago, you know, completely different set of circumstances. But anyway, Deborah Katz in nine, she has a repeated history of dismissing claims of sexual assault, sexual harassment, sexual misconduct, whenever a democratic man is involved. Right. So in 1998, when Bill Clinton was facing accusations from Paula Jones, who is a woman who worked uh, in in the Capitol in Alabama when he was governor. She came out with this kind of really bizarre story. And like, if it's true, very alarming about Bill Clinton, that basically a bunch of state troopers like forced her into a room where Clinton was. And he like exposed himself and, you know, offered uh, slash tried to like elicit her in an engagement between the two of them. But anyway, so. In 1998, the New York Times asked uh, Katz what she thought about Paula Jones's claims. And she said, oh, she doesn't have a case at all. If a woman came to me, and this is what she said, and I'm quoting, if a woman came to me with a similar fact pattern, um, that is someone in the company above her propositioned her, but only once, and she suffered no tangible job uh, detriment, I would probably tell her that I'm sorry, it's unfair, but you don't have a case. And on CNN in 1998, she said that Jones's lawsuit was, quote, very, 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 very weak. And that, you know, she's alleging that one incident took place in a hotel room and that by her own testimony lasted 10 to 12 minutes. Kat said she suffered no repercussions in the workplace, according to CNN transcript. She said similar things about Democratic Senator Al Franken, who in 2017 was, you know, kind of forced to resign after women said that he acted lewdly towards them in the workplace as a senator or on, you know, junkets when he was a senator or while he was at SNL. So she came out and told the New York Times in 2017, this is not a Harvey Weinstein situation, said Deborah Katz. 
Harvey Weinstein was a serial predator who used his own power. That's not what this is. She also drew a distinction between Franken's role as a comedian and that of a senator. Context is relevant, she said. He did not do this as a member of the U.S. Senate. He did this in his capacity as someone who is still functioning as an entertainer. So my question is for Deborah Katz, does context matter for what's going on with Kavanaugh at all? Does it matter that he didn't do this, you know, allegedly do this in his capacity as a federal judge, but as a high school student, supposedly, is the context at all relevant when we're talking about Republican Supreme Court nominees, or does that only apply to Democratic senators? Well, Bree, this is a seamless transition to our next topic, which is hashtag Me Too. And really the fact that the entire Me Too movement is on trial along with Brett Kavanaugh this week and next. And I think this is what this, you know, the story you just told about Deborah Katz's background, which many of these statements came out just last year when Me Too was a thing. Um, it really goes to show the question that I, I raised in a piece that I wrote for the Daily Signal this week, arguing that this is a very important, if not the most important moment for the Me Too movement, where where uh, really Democrats are in control of determining whether or not the movement has staying power as an impartial movement in search of the truth or whether it's a movement that is too easily corrupted, that is too easily, easily manipulated for political purposes. Um, and the sad thing is, it's it's really a vulnerable movement. You might not realize this, but Americans are quite divided on Me Too. I did some research into polling to find out how Americans feel about it. And um, this was fascinating, by the way. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. So the numbers. So there were two polls, both conducted in August before these uh, Kavanaugh allegations came about. The first one was from U Government and HuffPost, which found that only 23 percent of Americans, including nine percent of Republicans and 42 percent of Democrats, view Me Too as very fair favorably. And then another August poll, this time conducted by CBS and Refinery29, found that only half of all millennial women have faith in the movement. 37% responded that Me Too, quote, won't change things much, unquote. And 13% responded that it will actually make things worse for women. So my, you know, my fear is that if it turns out that Democrats are using Ford's allegations for political purposes or if Ford, um, you know, if, if we come to find that she's lying in some way, which I'm not saying she is at all. She she seems to be very genuine in her allegations. But um, if there's not truth to them, if there's no cred- credibility uh, to back them, I think it's going to do some serious harm to the Me Too movement, which is very sad for all women, because Democrats, they know that by using this movement, they they could quite possibly take down a Supreme Court nominee. But who's going to lose if they do that? Who's going to lose if Democrats decide to use Me Too as a political weapon? All of women, all of women who are stronger when we're fighting sexual har- harassment and sexual assault together. I can Tell you right now, those numbers of the percent of Republicans who don't support Me Too will double or triple overnight if we come to find that Me Too is being used for political means. Yes, absolutely. 
Absolutely. And you know what? I This is just kind of jogging my memory. Over the past couple of weeks, I've received numerous text messages and email alerts from the Women's March um, and from Planned Parenthood, you know, outraged and speaking out about these allegations against Kavanaugh. I don't remember getting a single text alert or email from either of these organizations when Keith Ellison, DNC chair, uh, allegations came out that he, you know, allegedly beat his girlfriend and there was some documentation to prove that. I think that the double standard here is jarring and just extremely obvious. Um, and I think that it's awful. And I think that the wane in support for this movement definitely can be traced to that. And here's just a perfect example of why a lot of men and women will be turning their backs on the movement. Uh, this is a clip from Senator Hirono. You're one of just four women on the committee. How does that impact the proceedings, if at all? Of course it helps that there are women on that committee. But you know what? I expect the men in this country and the men in this committee, and many of them, believe me, because we all signed on to this letter to uh, demand an FBI investigation, but really, guess who's perpetuating all of these kinds of actions? It's the men in this country, and I just want to say to the men in this country, just shut up and step up. Do the right thing for a change. Okay, you can see I'm a little upset by this, you know, the unfairness of it, but you have a second question? That was a Democrat senator from Hawaii. And um, again, a perfect example of why men and women aren't going to want to get behind a movement that claims that all men are guilty um, without you know, having any sort of due process or evidence to back that up. And while we're on the topic of Kavanaugh, we've all been waiting to figure out what's going to happen. Is Ford going to testify on Monday or isn't she? Well, the latest is coming in from the New York Times, which is now reporting that Christine Ford is open to testifying. Uh, she she reportedly told the Senate Judiciary Committee that she would, quote, be prepared to testify next week, unquote, so long as senators offer terms which are fair and which ensure her safety, which I have every um, ounce of confidence that they can and will do. So it sounds like, Bray, we might be hearing from both Ford and Kavanaugh on Monday. Yeah, that'll be very interesting to see where all of that's headed and to see if she actually is being honest in that statement and that if she is really going to take, you know, the stand and not just claim that all terms are unfair uh, and things along those lines. So speaking of things not being fair, feminists say that iPhones are sexist because the screen is too big for their hands. So Apple CEO Tim Cook recently announced a new series of iPhones, which include the iPhone XS Max, which has a... Okay, these names are so dumb, by the way. But anyway, it has a 6.5-inch screen. So a professor whose name I will probably mispronounce uh, over at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill tweeted... It's a tough one. I'm going to try it. Uh, it's going to be incorrect, but her name, I think, is Zanep Tufieki. Anyway, this an individual tweeted that uh, Apple phased out the only phone that I can hold without risk of dropping. And feminist activist um, Carolyn Criado Perez said that Apple consistently fails to remember that women are 50 percent of the population. I'm not saying that Apple is being evil, evil and deliberately setting out to design phones that injure women by being too big for the average female hand. But that doesn't make it OK. Uh, Kelsey, is Apple evil and are iPhones sexist? 
What I have to say about this is if everything is sexist, nothing is sexist. Give me a break. The iPhones are not sexist. I, as a woman, prefer the larger screens. Brie, I know I don't you like actually them. disagree with me. But is it okay? You don't like the bigger phones. No. I, I love them. Um, but, but it's does not that make sexist. It sexist. No, okay. absolutely not. Okay. So silly. I'm glad you still. So ridiculous. Speaking of things that are silly, Kelsey, tell us what's going on. Right. We, in have Michigan. One, we have one more, I guess, more lighthearted story for you. Um, compared to everything that's unfolding with Kavanaugh this week. This one comes from Michigan, where a high school is replacing the homecoming queen with an excellence award. Fox News is reporting that in order to address bullying concerns, they're changing the typical uh, homecoming queen um, to an excellent award. And um Let's see. A student council president, Drew Vanderspool, said we don't want one of the biggest awards at our school to be associated with pretty or popular stereotypes or to be limited to a specific category of students. I I assume he's referring to gender there when he talks about category. Um, uh, Student council member Maddie Dunlop agreed saying student council's job is to make it a safe place for everyone. And when this award is used for bullying purposes, in some cases, that really isn't making that a safe space. So uh, I I have a feeling I know how you're going to respond, but I'm going to add one more layer to this story that's going to complicate it a bit. Reportedly at this school, um, this is according to someone on Facebook who I I believe attended the school or is involved in the community, knows the school. Um, A girl was nominated last year to the homecoming court, if that's what it's called, as a joke. Wow. Does that change how you were going to respond to it? No. No? Okay. Listen, high school is a mean, nasty place. It's the way it is. I myself was homeschooled throughout most of my three of the four years um, in high school. So I got to skip a lot of this drama and skip a lot of the homecoming court debacles and other things like that. Um, I think that this overall is ridiculous. Um, I think it's reasonable for this high school to respond specifically in this case. But I think like depriving the school forever of a homecoming court because some students were mean and punishing all of them in that way. I think that that's a little over the top kind of approach to this and what's going on here. And also let's face it, homecoming queen and queen is about popularity. King and queen. King and queen. Yes. It's about popularity. That's what it's about. Um, I think that, you know, trying to make it an excellence award is sort of like the Miss America thing, trying to make it's it like about. A, what's the difference between the excellence award and the valid Victorian then? I was just going to, yeah. Or isn't there like a participation award that you guys give Everybody out? Everybody gets attendance, one of those. Attendance. <laughs> no, I mean, attendance oh, award. Oh, for never yeah, yeah, missing yeah. A, day a day in school. school. Like there's plenty of other, like all of school is basically one big academic excellence award. So let them have this one thing that's about just dumb popularity or whatever and has nothing to do with academics. Like, it's fine. Well, I another understand. question is where does where does this end? Because as our, one of our producers raised the question, Lauren, shout out to Lauren Evans. She asks, does that mean they're going to take away superlative awards too? I mean, are those politically oh, right, Like best dressed or best, best hair, hair, most likely to succeed. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that that definitely puts that in the crosshairs of the political correctness movement. And now we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we will crown our problematic woman of the week. 
and we're back. It is time to crown our problematic woman of the week. This time it is women plural because we are crowning the 65 women who were brave enough to come out and support Brett Kavanaugh in light of these allegations that he's faced. Um, they, they have decided to come out and stand by him, argue that he should still be confirmed to the Supreme Court. Lisa Molina is one of them. Uh, she says she knew Kavanaugh when she was in high school. My colleague Rachel Del Judas interviewed her, and you can read the whole interview over at The Daily Signal. But here is a little soundbite of what she had to say about these allegations. Absolutely fishy. Absolutely fishy. It's not, it's not right that uh, at the 11th hour this is brought forward. It's, it's, it's absolutely uh, a last-ditch effort by people who don't want him nominated to, you know, to derail his nomination. So, Bree, what do you think of these women deciding to speak out despite the fact that this alleged incident allegedly happened behind closed doors. So, you know, if it did happen, there's a chance that they wouldn't actually know. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's clear that these women are speaking about what they do know, which they do know the character that Brett had when he was in high school and beyond. And that's what they're speaking to, you know, whenever there is a trial. And in this case, it's so weird that we're litigating this as if it's a real trial, as if it's a real court, when in fact it is not, which is so many Fourth Amendment violations to that. But anyway... For some reason, we've all decided that we're going to litigate this through the media uh, and through this Judiciary Committee hearing. So, Court of public opinion, it's a real thing. Yeah, so that's <laughs> apparently what's going on. Anyway, so, you know, whenever you do have a trial, a real trial, you have individuals that come forward and testify and act as witnesses to vouch or speak against that person, depending on what's going on, right? And I think that these women are serving in that place doing that, and I think that they should 100% be listened to Um, But again, we're probably going to see efforts from the left and from Democrats who are going to try to silence women because what they have to say is not politically expedient, even though it's just as important as what Christine Ford had to say. Well, shout out to these 65 women who are brave enough to speak out and, um, you know, share what they have to say, share what they know about who um, Brett Kavanaugh is. Uh, on that note, I think that wraps up our show. I want to encourage you all to check out Bree's work covering all this Kavanaugh craziness. She's been covering it very closely over at The Federalist. Uh, we've been covering it at The Daily Signal. You can read my piece about Me Too, its reputation really being on the line this week. Uh, you can read that over at The Daily Signal along with more. Um, but Thank you all for tuning in. And if you know somebody who's a problematic woman who we should highlight, please let us know. You can follow my work at The Daily Signal and on Twitter at Kelsey J. Harkness. And you can follow all of my work over at The Federalist and follow me on Twitter at Brie underscore Payton. This podcast is a collaboration of The Daily Signal and The Federalist and is produced by the magical Lauren Evans (laughs) of The Daily Signal. And if you like this podcast, please support us by rating and subscribing on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts from. We appreciate you sharing problematic women with your friends and for standing up and supporting strong conservative women. We're standing up for America's culture. Thanks. Thanks.